0: but what they do is they sequence your SNPs. it's they're called single nucleotide polymorphisms they're looking at uh changes in your dna some people but scientists don't know that much about all of that dna honestly what we really know a lot about is these SNPs, these single nucleotide polymorphisms so that's what you're looking at now what that means is essentially either you've got a, a a defective copy from your mom or from your dad, that would be a plus minus. You know, mm-hmm. if you had a good copy from your dad and a bad copy from your mom of the DNA, mm-hmm. that's a plus minus. Okay. Folic acid is a fake chemistry chemical. It was uh, developed in a lab, it's not found in nature. And
1: you are listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. The OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks, makers of 100% natural and open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. For more information on how to build optimal mental and physical performance into your life, go to naturalstacks.com. Ryan
0: Muncy is probably the smartest guy I know.
1: Trust me, Muncy is the nutrition guy. Ryan Muncy out there trying to make the
0: world better for all of us. The Optimal Performance Podcast is bold, edgy, creative, entertaining, and epic. Ryan Muncy is my go-to guy. Ryan Muncy is... First guy I call. He's making people's lives, red. Ryan Munch is
1: an innovator. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the OPP. Today we are talking with our friend, Dr. Anthony J. Dr. J, welcome back to the show. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Thanks for having me. So um quick recap for our listeners. You appeared on episode 97, and that was a really fun episode, really educational. We talked about environmental toxins, artificial estrogens. If you guys haven't heard that one, definitely go back and listen to that. Um, But Dr. J, uh, if people didn't catch that one, I'm going to read your Twitter bio. Dr. J, scientist, simplifier, speaker, outdoorsman, estrogeneration author. Uh, Find out more at... (laughs)
0: AJCCO. uh, Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) That works too. Uh,
1: Okay. Um, anything to add before we go on?
0: No, that's good. I mean, we actually, it's funny because we mentioned 23 Me in the last time we talked mm-hmm. towards the end. Mm-hmm. And I had a few questions from your listeners about that. Um, oh, beautiful. Via, via email. And so okay. it's, it's perfect timing today to go back and revisit that topic.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly what we're going to do. For you guys listening, if you haven't been able to catch on to that yet by the title uh, for this show, Dr. J has my 23andMe data. Uh, So anything we talk about today, he has my permission to say on the air. Um, You know, when you do this with him, it's all confidential. So, you know, put that out there for you guys right now. Um, But there is so much more that we can do with our genetic data than we get from the 23andMe reports. And even their reports are, are incredibly... Um, I, I don't know if overwhelming is the right word, because like I said, they don't, it's not like they're giving you everything. But there's just so much to sort through. And, and I'll be honest, I did 23andMe. Um, it's been... I don't know if you saw the test date when you were able to, to log in or not, but it's, it's been well over a year. And, and I've really done nothing with it other than to be able to say, you know what? I am, in fact, European. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Uh, and um, and you your eye color and <laughs> your yeah, yeah.
0: skin pigmentation. I saw yeah. your 23andMe report, and it said essentially you had hair as a newborn. <laughs> you no,
1: know, yep.
0: likely I, to have freckles <laughs> and, and odor detection. You're likely to be able to smell asparagus. It wasn't much more than that. Honestly,
1: <laughs> I can smell asparagus. Uh, and, I don't have. Well, no, go ahead. <laughs> and, the, and the only other thing I'll say and this is not to, to pick on 23 and me but the only other thing I'll say is that um, you know I I did notice the the athletic portion of it said that I had the muscle makeup of a power athlete which and you and I have talked about this that um, not that it validates but it at least it helps me understand why I have always gravitated towards that type of training. I've always seen great results from that type of training and diets that are not necessarily in alignment with that type of training keto, cough, cough, uh, doesn't really help me with the physical side of performance. Um, Now, that's not to say I don't love the mental uh, part of keto. So with all that said, uh, we are going to get into all that. But Dr. J, what's new in your research since we've uh, talked last
0: So I actually moved, I, last time we talked, I was in Boston and now I'm actually in Minnesota where my family is from, my wife's family is from, and I'm working at the Mayo Clinic doing research on stem cells and epigenetics. It's just something that interests me. And, uh, you know, I do a lot of consulting, actually DNA consulting with pro athletes. Mm -hmm. Um, not a ton, but here and there, I'm working with somebody on the Mariners, Seattle, a pitcher from the Seattle Mariners right now. And, uh, you know, I, I, like, I enjoy doing that because, Pro athletes, especially, are just extremely motivated, Mm -hmm. and you know, I I I just like working with those people and really, really optimizing the performance because this not a lot of people are doing what we're doing right now on on the air, which is talking about DNA and personalizing it and optimizing, you know, diet, exercise, sleep, all this stuff, um, based on your genetics. So it gives people an edge right now because, like I said, not a lot of people are doing it. So that's an advantage. And uh, working at the Mayo Clinic has been really nice, actually. It's amazing. You know, it's funny about the Mayo, too, is they've got underground tunnels at the whole clinic because it's so cold here in Minnesota. It's amazing. You, you, you wouldn't believe the amount of underground tunneling. It just carpeted, you know, little hallways. You just walk around from building to building.
1: <laughs> that comes in handy when you're buried under feet of snow in January. Yeah, it's so pretty funny. I had a buddy that went to college in Boston, actually, and, and they had a little bit of that. Um,
0: oh, man. Stuff. Like yeah. a couple of years ago. I think it was two years ago. It was just insane snow in Boston. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's pretty smart to uh, to set it up that way. Although it does prevent some uh, sun exposure for all of our biohackers.
0: Yeah. Well, in the winter, you don't get the sun anyways, but
1: yeah. <laughs> right. right. Um, okay. So let's dive in with what we're doing today. Um, cool. You know, like, like we've said, 23andMe gives you a bunch of raw data. Um, if you don't know how to interpret it, it's it's basically useless. Um, one of the things, I didn't even know this could be done. Uh, so for you guys listening, this was part of how I had to get my information to Dr. J. Uh, if, you go, if you've go, if you done 23andMe, you can log in, go to tools, and then you can go to browse raw data, uh, which is completely different from any of the reports that they present to you. Uh, and like I said, I didn't even know that was there. So then I downloaded that um, document and emailed that to Doctor J. So yeah, that's what,
0: a great aspect of 23andMe. Some companies don't do that; they don't give you your own data. Right, and I mean that's worth the the hundred dollars. So it got, it does cost a hundred dollars to you know have 23andMe do your data, you know, to sequence these this aspect of your uh, of your DNA. But you know they kind of recently they've changed it. They, they have a hundred dollars for your ancestry, which again, tells you where you're from, tells you you're British, whatever. And then they have an, for an additional hundred dollars, they give you a report, but like we kind of hinted at, at the beginning, the report that they give you is, it's really safe. You know, Mm -hmm. they don't want to step on any toes in the FDA and, and they don't really tell you that much valuable information because you know, they don't want to harm the reputation of their company. Of course, they're really known for sequencing the DNA, Mm -hmm. not really known for interpreting the DNA. Um, But what they do, just so people know, and a lot of people know this, I guess, but what they do is they sequence your SNPs. They're called single nucleotide polymorphisms. They're looking at uh, changes in your DNA. Some people call them mutations. And it's important to know that, you know, I prefer to call them variants because, uh, you know, these single changes in your DNA, you know, to call them a mutation is a little bit broad and and a little bit inaccurate because, you know, mutation usually means something more rare, more random, whereas SNPs, single nucleotide polymorphisms, SNPs, they're usually abbreviated. Mm -hmm. um, Those, they're actually pretty common in the population. So for example, uh, and, and by the way, they're extremely powerful. So, for example, cystic fibrosis happens because of a SNP, because of a single DNA change. And it's common enough that when you see that, that's, that single DNA change, again, it's called the gene variant. That's what I prefer to call it. Mm-hmm. When you see that variant in the DNA, um, you know that somebody's going to have cystic fibrosis. They're going to have problems with clearing mucus from their lungs, for example. Another big one is uh, uh, sickle cell anemia one SNP, one change in your dna single nucleotide right uh just that small gene variant causes uh, sickle cell anemia which is essentially your red blood cells instead of being a nice round donut they look like little sickles they're little uh, horseshoe shaped mm-hmm. uh cells and they don't carry oxygen as well which can be a problem and that's all just from that single dna change and again it's not it's, it's some people call it a mutation i'm okay with that I prefer to call it a variant because it's commonly found, and that's what I look for when I'm looking at the 23andMe data. I'm looking for these gene variants that a lot of scientists are studying and, you know, publishing papers on and saying, "Look, you have this small change in your DNA, and that leads to this health problem, like the MTHFR gene, which we'll talk about."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's pretty. It's pretty. Uh, Pretty simple in that regard, right? I mean, the SNPs, the single poly- polymorphisms, and a lot of people complain about that. They say, "Well, 23andMe doesn't do your whole DNA; they don't do your whole genome," which, by the way, costs about a thousand dollars. I also do analysis for that, um, usually through Illumina. The Company is called Illumina. But the thing about the thousand-dollar uh, you know protocol when you do your whole DNA is they don't tell you much more information. I mean, they give you all the DNA, but scientists don't know that much about all of that DNA. Honestly, what we really know a lot about is these SNPs, these single nucleotide polymorphisms. So that's what you're looking at anyways. Right. So that's where 23andMe is really valuable, is they give you the raw data, and it's the SNPs, the, these single gene variants, and that's what we know a lot about in science anyway. Mm-hmm. And so that's a really valuable tool. Okay. Now the problem with that recently is that I was doing somebody's DNA analysis. I don't know a couple of weeks ago, and I was running up against a lot of false positive. You know, just basically no answers. Mm-hmm. I was I was coming up where the genes that I normally was would look at, they weren't showing up, and I called Twenty Three and Me and sat on hold for a long time. And eventually got a hold of an actual scientist who works there. And I said, what's going on with this gene and this gene and this code? And again, they're giving me the code and I'm looking at the code and saying, you know, here's the health problem. But their code wasn't even there. And the scientists said essentially what they did was they changed their sequencing and they and I have a picture of it here. And it's literally these highlighted regions that I highlighted. Uh, I used to be able to tell people about those genes but i can't anymore because 23andme isn't even sequencing those they cut their service to about 50%. in other words, you know, the old like a, a couple of years ago when i did dna analysis for people, i was able to tell them 50% more information and they they removed that information simply because they don't report on it. and <laughs> So I was frustrated by that because I reported on it. That was valuable information to me. Okay. And I'll bring up some specific examples of genes that they no longer look at, but just to give you a sense of how important they are. But I think first, maybe we should talk about your specific DNA yeah, variants.
1: Yeah, let's do that. And I'm curious, like from a really high level view, as you get this data, what are you looking at first? Is it, is it sort of like a triage situation for you?
0: Well, I just I, I use a few different proprietary software programs, uh, okay. you know, that just kind of decode the information, and because uh, it's letters, right? DNA is A's, T's, G's, and C's. It's just thousands of letters. Right. Uh, it, well, it's those four letters, but it's thousands of those, uh, the, the the letters of code. And but what I I do is I try and break it down into detox genes. I just look at fifty eight genes in that are involved in getting toxins out of your body, and especially in your liver. And just how functional are those enzymes or those, you know, those genes in your body, because that's really important and really practical. That's my main goal is to have something practical for people. So in other words, like for example, if you, if you have problems clearing aluminum from your body, well then you don't want to cook with aluminum foil. Right. And and because that might be an issue for you, you are going to have more aluminum toxicity that's a neurotoxin if it's building up. So, Mm -hmm. um, You know that's a really specific practical thing and it can change based on your DNA. So little things like that, I look at that's the first part. I do a three-part report. Detox is the first part. The second part is disease risk. And that just kind of indicates to people what they might, you know, what they want to watch out for in terms of diseases. You can oftentimes change your diet to prevent a lot of these diseases. And of course, I make recommendations for that. And then the third part is athletic profile. And Again, 23andMe has removed so much of their, their DNA sequencing that I no longer can really... They've kind of stripped a lot of the information from me, and I can't use 23andMe as well to tell people about their heart rate variability, their response to heart rate training, their lactic acid threshold. I used to be able to tell them all, all about this stuff. Uh, their you know their power slash endurance mix of muscle fiber types. Like There was a lot more information there. They've stripped a lot of it. Wow. but there's still something there and and you know I still do an analysis of that. So that's the three parts, detox, health risk and athletic profile.
1: Okay. Um well, let's go through mine and you know talk about you know what you found and and the significance of those genes um and cool. you know like I told you before, I mean you can uh, you can say whatever you want, you don't have to uh to hold anything back. I see there's one on here with the uh APOE three and APOE four. You can talk about that too.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah. I highlighted those just to, in case you didn't want me to bring it up. But um, nothing crazy. Nothing. You're 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 pretty good. <laughs> but let's let's start with detox because I think there's the most to talk about there. And if we start running out of time, I don't want to run out of okay. time on that. Okay. Um, and that's the first part of the DNA report. Anyways, I have it printed off here for people to look at if they're watching on YouTube, which hopefully they are, because it's kind of interesting to see. And what I'm, what I did here is I, again, I analyzed 58 different, uh, genes that are involved in detox. And the only thing I listed here for you was the areas that you might have an issue with. And so I list those as plus minus or plus plus. Now what that means is essentially either you've got a, a A defective copy from your mom or from your dad, that would be a plus minus. You know, Mm -hmm. if you had a good copy from your dad and a bad copy from your mom of the DNA, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: that's a plus minus. Okay. And sometimes your body can override that. So, in other words, uh, you know, you're a carrier. He might be a carrier for something, but it doesn't necessarily impact your health if you have a plus minus. Uh, But if you have a plus plus, that means you have you know, a less than optimal gene from your dad and a less than optimal gene from your mom. And so those are the ones I'm really looking for. And you only had four, which is good. I mean, you know, some people have 10 detox gene problems from their mom and dad. And, you know, the specific ones that you had, as you can see, it's it's kind of like code. It's CYP1A2. And I didn't make the names up, so I can't... uh, (laughs) You know, I don't have any control over that, but that's, that's the first one that, you know, I flagged okay. as a plus plus in, in you. So in other words, you've got a copy from your mom and your dad of this. Um, like I said, less than optimal. It still works, but it's less than optimal CYP one a two. So what I do for people when I do consulting, including you here, I, before the show, I had you pull up my website mm-hmm. and it's, which is AJ consulting And then I, I have a specific page on my website. Um, that's called a mutation key. It's AJ dot com slash mutation dash or hyphen mutation hyphen key.
1: We'll put a link to that on the uh, show notes for people.
0: Ah, good call. Yeah. And, and essentially in that mutation key, the first part detox, and you're probably on that page right now, Ryan. Yep. I, I, like, yeah.
1: how, I like how you have it broken down. The very first part says for the lay person, yeah. <laughs> yeah. which is, you know, that's a nod to what you put in your Twitter, Twitter bio about being a simplifier. Yeah,
0: yeah you have to. I mean, it's 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 frustrating how complex these things are. And just the titles, right? Like I said, CYP1A2, you know, I mean, it, it sounds daunting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh and that what that stands for is cytochrome P450, family one, subfamily A, polypeptide two. So that it's this long name, but cytochrome P450s are really common enzymes in your liver that are involved in breaking things down, breaking, you know, drugs down. Mm-hmm. And so um that specific one in your case, uh you see see how there's CYP1A two and then it says 164A dash C. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, the, what that means, A is the abbreviation for alanine, that's an amino acid, and C is the abbreviation for cysteine. That's kind of the shorthand. So what, what that means, what I'm trying to communicate here, or what the DNA is communicating, is that normally you would have an alanine, but instead you have a cysteine there. That's the change that you have, and that has a functional difference. In other words, the gene doesn't work optimally because there's that one change from an alanine to a cysteine. Um and again you got a copy from your mom and your dad in this case. So that means in your in your cytochrome P450, family 1A, subfamily, or family one, subfamily A, polypeptide 2, right? And again, that's just abbreviated CYP1A2. Um and yours is suboptimal. And what that does, what this enzyme does is it it breaks down um polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons. That's found, those are found in smoke. So in other words, for you specifically, you're not as good at clearing smoke from your body. So you definitely don't want to be a smoker because you'll, you're at a higher risk for health problems if you smoke than normal people. Um, but even, even sometimes campfires and things, you don't want to be just getting blasted by smoke, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, because this gene is involved in clearing out those hydrocarbons. But even more important, caffeine. So you're not as, uh, you, you may have experience with this, but your body doesn't break down caffeine nearly as fast as normal people. So that would be you'd be considered a slow metabolizer of caffeine. Right. So when you drink coffee, it'll probably stay in your system literally eight hours at least.
1: And and I have a personal rule where I won't drink coffee after one or two p.m. because yep. I've noticed that. Yeah, any oh, caffeine yep. late in the day uh, keeps me awake. So um, that's
0: perfect. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's this weird.
1: is it's, it's really interesting not to see this. Yeah. yeah. It, it's it's crazy because you know I am very sensitive to smoke. If if somebody is smoking around me, I I'm very uh, aware of it and very uh, I don't want to say offended, but you know, it, it, it it's bothersome. Um,
0: yep, yep, that's good. That's your body saying, you know, I'm not as good at breaking down this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, don't breathe it in. And, and that's what. Uh, and just so listeners know, this is not rehearsed. <laughs> we didn't pre-plan any of this, but it is, it's always, it's always uncanny how, how accurate the DNA is in terms of, you know, your health and, and how personal it is.
1: Right. Well, I mean, you, you can't, you can't fake DNA. You can't lie about it. I mean, that yeah like it it is kind of who you are. So,
0: well, and the other thing that people sometimes uh, you know complain about is how how repeatable is this? So, if you send in multiple samples to Twenty Three andme Me, how repeatable? The reason I like Twenty Three andme Me is because they have a ninety nine point seven percent repeatability. So they can replicate this just to cr- crazy accuracy. As a scientist, I'm. I can tell you that that's good accuracy, and 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 so they they do a good job at twenty three and me. That's something I don't complain about. Right. Um,
1: so but, I, I, there is one thing in this particular report on on your webpage where you're explaining this information to people. I, I want to bring it up because I think it's pertinent to our listeners. They'll, they they will be aware of some of these terminologies, and you know I see the word aflatoxin in here. Yep. Um, and it says in bold aflatoxin is one of the most carcinogenic substances known to science um, people with this particular uh, variation yep are m- less able to clear these substances meaning exactly. that they would be more sensitive more susceptible to exposure Yep. Um, which
0: is you by which, the way
1: right which is me. <laughs> We're getting uh, yeah. and, yep. and and I think um, famously somebody like Dave Asprey probably has this uh, variation because you know, a lot of what he talks about with bulletproof coffee, moldy coffee, uh, you know, you can argue till you're blue in the face about quality of coffee and, you know, the, the ethics and the morality around some of those businesses. But the bottom line is there is, you know, one of the things that you have written in here was avoiding, uh, I lost cheap, it, but it said avoid tough, cheap coffee. Cheap coffee.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, grains are a big one in America. Yeah. yeah, I
1: think I think it says peanuts in here somewhere too. Peanuts uh, are huge, uh, Anything that is a mass stored product that can develop mold. Yeah, it's 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 at the top in that red section Avoid grains, peanuts, other mass stored products that have been, uh, may have been moldy. Even super cheap coffee. Uh, try to yep. eliminate them from your exactly. diet. So yeah,
0: yeah, and yeah, that think, that especially pertains to you. Yeah,
1: right. And and that is something where you know I have felt sensitivity to certain things and. And when I say sensitivity, I'm, I'm very in tune with how I feel after eating certain things. And there are things that make me very sleepy or very tired uh, a few hours after eating them. And, you know, I don't want to do that. So I have eliminated quite a few foods, um, you know, that make me feel that way. So it, it is interesting to see that, you know, there is a genetic component to this.
0: Yeah, for sure. And the other one on there was with that same enzyme. Besides aflatoxin, was acetaminophen. Yeah. So essentially, your if you take Tylenol, you probably don't feel this because it's not as noticeable. But it it stays in your body longer uh, than most people because your body doesn't break it down as well it might even last up to two times as long. So you got to be careful with that one because you don't want to over supplement Tylenol and, and just, you know, over essentially you would be overdosing it where normal people wouldn't be overdosing it because it's just staying in your body. So yeah, that's how you, that just for people that aren't actually looking, what I did a long time ago when I started doing this DNA consulting was I took, I kind of made an accordion on my website. It's called an accordion, which means you know, these genes are listed, but then as you click them, it kind of gives you a scroll down, you know, little write up, a little blurb about the gene. And so, because most people don't have that many mutations, right? You've got four, some people have five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. So you don't have to look at all 58 of these, you know, the only ones that you're interested in that I'm interested in today are the ones that affect you. And again, that, that in this case, it's CYP, you know, whatever the numbers are, right. um, And so then you just look that up on my website and you hit that little, uh, gene and then it pull, it has a little scroll down and then you read about that specific one. So, um, if you want, we can move on to the next one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that.
0: So the next one for you was another cytochrome P450. It's called CYP2D6. And again, this one's S486 to T. So that's you know the serine amino acid was changed to a threonine i think is what t stands for so again plus plus so you got this you got this variant from your mom and from your dad it's it's less than optimal and let's talk about it so again on the website you know if you look up cyp2d6 um it it gives you a bunch of information about what it's called where it's found in your body and what it does so this one uh let's see Caffeine, ibuprofen, acetaminophen. Let me think. Twenty. So essentially, this one's involved in uh, the breakdown of over tw- about tw- maybe about twenty-five percent of commonly prescribed drugs,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that's important because obviously, you know, if you're being prescribed a drug and it's not being broken down in your body, you're going to have more side effects. So you can literally just Google this gene, CYP2D6. Um, and which drugs, you know, say you go to the doctor and he prescribes something, you can just go on Google and type in the name of the drug he prescribed you mm-hmm. and this gene. And if there's some kind of a re- relationship, like this enzyme breaks that drug down, then you want to be careful with that drug, maybe dose yourself at half. Most medical doctors aren't going to be this person. Well, virtually no doctor <laughs> is going to be this personalized.
1: Even if they want to, they don't have time.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, because hopefully in the future we'll have like a more kind of standardized approach to doing this and and, you know, that'll just, it'll just come right up on your medical chart, but yeah, exactly. And so you have to essentially watch out more for yourself in this regard. Mm -hmm. Um, and the drugs you can see, I listed a whole list of them here on your report. Um, I can't even pronounce all of them. Indo, indomethiazine, um, meloxicam, naproxen, peroxicam you see there's a whole list of them um mm-hmm. again that's not even an exhaustive list there's a lot of drugs out there and probably about 25 of them are broken down by this specific cytochrome p450 your body doesn't you know optimally perform with this enzyme so just be careful and look that up whenever you have to you know whenever you're prescribed a drug i guess
1: mm-hmm.
0: so the next one um So again, you only had four. We just finished two, so we're kind of cooking through this. Yeah. The next one is M A O M A O A, and let's see if I wrote something down on that. It's methyl. uh, It's an oxidase. I just have to find my notes. (laughs) Otherwise, I have to use my own web page. I don't memorize all of these in case people are wondering because there's just so many of them.
1: So. So, What you wrote on, on the report sent to me just says adrenaline, serotonin, dopamine will stay in your body longer. It
0: stays longer. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I would have guessed off the top of my head. Um, and so that's not really a huge health concern. It is important to, it's, it's useful to know it's kind of more just entertainment in that case. And a lot of people that have this specific, uh, gene variant that you have here, they like adrenaline more because it stays in their body longer. They get a little bit more of a high from it. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, again, not a health hazard by any stretch, but it's just good to know about yourself. It's specific to you. Um, and if you don't have any questions on that, we'll just move to the next, the last one.
1: Yeah. I mean, I no, no questions. I think it does sort of explain sort of, you know, some of my nature, my tendencies to, you know, be a doer and kind of, I don't want to say chase actions that, you know, produced dopamine and adrenaline yeah. but
0: yeah no yeah <laughs> i got this one. i have this one too so i know <laughs> i know at least for me i'm definitely i've done skydiving and all this stuff right and and i love it you know but but in terms of health it's not it's it's kind of neutral but the next one mtrr is called methyl tetrahydrofolate homocysteine methyl transferase reductase Uh, You can see somebody had fun making that name up Um, and these things all have meaning. You know, methyl is a certain chemistry group reductase means it reduces, you know, this is all, it's all, it's all pretty basic nomenclature for chemists. But again, we'll just call it MTRR (laughs) and you've got a gene variant. Um, and in this case, this one's interesting. You've probably heard of homocysteine Mm -hmm. because a lot of people check that for inflammation and that's a good marker for inflammation. Um, in, but in in your case, uh, this is closely tied to the MTR uh, enzyme, which which essentially makes methionine from homocysteine. So it it gets some of the homocysteine out of your body, and because you have a gene variant in this, that usually means your homocysteine is going to naturally be a little bit higher. Um, so you want to watch out for that. And and the way to kind of mitigate that again, so homocysteine is a marker for inflammations and you don't want, you know, systemic inflammation, high inflammation, you don't want homocysteine. Right. And because you're personally more disposed to having higher homocysteine levels, um, what I recommend for you and what I recommend for anybody with this gene issue, MTRR, um, is to supplement vitamin B12 every day. Um, because this, This pathway, the MTR and the MTRR, they utilize vitamin B12 to convert homocysteine into methionine. So neutralize it, get rid of it. Methionine is just an amino acid. So you take homocysteine, break it down. We're using these enzymes with B12. So if if you continuously maintain a high level of B12 in your body, it will help drive this reaction and lower inflammation. (laughs) <laughs> Sounds complicated, I know. But basically, all I'm saying is just supplement B12 every day.
1: <laughs> you know what's interesting is, again, you know, we're talking about how some of this, I don't want to say validates, but it explains you know some of my subjective uh, experiences. And I don't take a, a multivitamin. I find that the ones that are affordable are actually crap. And the ones that are uh, better quality are ridiculously expensive. Uh, when it comes to multivitamins. So I tend to take single vitamins like vitamin D or vitamin C. Um, Obviously, I take the natural stacks version of those. Um, But I do take a B complex and I take it daily. And when I, I guess I've sort of over the years, I've tinkered with so many different supplements that, you know, that was one that stays in my rotation because when I don't take it, I notice a difference. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and I'm glad it's a complex because normally, like I said, I only bring up the plus plus genes, which is basically genes you got the, the issue, the problematic genes you got from your mom and from your dad. Mm-hmm. But the one gene I am going to bring up on your report, that's plus minus, which means you only got a cop, a bad copy from your mom or your dad, not both Um, is the MTHFR gene. And I know that's a big one.
1: Yep. And I was going to ask you to talk about that one anyway, because it is such a big one.
0: Yeah. And, uh, I'm actually writing a whole book on this because there isn't a book on this. Oh, wow. And it's such an int- I personally have a plus plus in this one.
1: Okay. And,
0: uh, and man, I've seen so many miscarriages when I do consulting, people come to me, they have fertility problems. I talk about artificial estrogens a lot. Right. And I, I recently just had somebody who was, he's been unable to conceive forever. They've had all kinds of miscarriages and uh, they not only had the MTHFR gene, but they also were just, you know, loading their bodies with artificial estrogen chemicals. And they've removed those about six months ago. And they've, they're literally having their first baby, you know, in a month or two. Wow. So this stuff, this stuff totally works. And I personally think one of the reasons miscarriages are so high in America, besides just the stuff I wrote about in my first book, Estrogeneration is the MTHFR gene. And, uh, really what, you know, a lot of people call, I like to call it Monday, Thursday, Friday. That's probably what I'll title my book. (laughs) Because if you picture MTHFR, you kind of know what it might, you might kind of stand for (laughs) Right. Right. But but it's easier to remember if you think Monday, Thursday, Friday, MTHFR. And what that does essentially, in really layman's terms, is it essentially takes folic acid and converts it to a usable form called methylfolate. Um, Again, that's a little bit oversimplified, but it works. And, and it's, it's a real thing. And like folic acid is a fake chemistry chemical. It was uh, developed in a lab. It's not found in nature <laughs> and your body has to convert that using this MTHFR enzyme to full, to methylfolate, which is a natural thing. And you find that for example, in spinach. So people that eat a lot of spinach, you know, they usually have plenty of uh, methylfolate, but here's the problem. When we're supplementing a lot of folic acid, And we're not able to convert it to methylfolate. It stays in your blood and literally it makes things worse. It's actually worse to supplement folic acid um, because it blocks receptors. It looks real similar to methylfolate and it it sticks on everything and it gums, it kind of gums up the system again, layman's terms. But um, with, so this enzyme is critical for converting folic acid to methylfolate and you don't have a plus plus like I do. You've got a plus minus again, which means one of your copies is a problem. You know, one of your parents gave you the bad variant for this. And what that means specifically, according to scientific research is 30, your body is 30% less able to convert folic acid to methylfolate. That's it's, there's literally, I think 3000 publications, scientific research papers on this. Um, and if you had a plus plus like I do, uh, you would be sixty five percent less efficient in converting folic acid, so that's a serious concern. I think thirty percent less efficient is enough of a concern not like to not to right. supplement folic acid use methyl folate for you
1: right. right you know what's interesting is um, I, I, this is very complimentary of, of Abelard Lindsay, the product formulator for a lot of the natural stack stuff, you know, he made sure that, um, methylfolate is the version used in dopamine brain food and some of the other products nice. that, you know, where that may be necessary, uh, yeah. for that yeah, very it's, reason.
0: I know. And I, it's, it's amazing how many good supplements forget that, you know, good supplement companies forget that. Yep. I, I, I come across a ton of them, people asking me, you know, what about this one? What about that one? and i just look for folic acid and boom it's in there it's not methylfolate so i'm yeah. glad yours is methylfolate
1: i was i was not aware and so you just said it that folic acid is not natural
0: yeah correct it used to be patented um, oh. and it's easy to make in in a lab but yep no it's not a natural <laughs> chemical it's close right your enzyme should be able to convert it but uh, right. and you don't see health problems with people that don't have the mutation because they convert it readily it's fine mm-hmm. But yeah, all this advice, this idea that, you know, you're pregnant, so you need to supplement folic acid can actually harm you. It can be worse. And the reason for the reason folic acid or methylfolate actually is so important is because it's made, it's, it's your, it's the building blocks for your DNA. That's how your body makes DNA, uh, certain base pairs of your DNA. So if you don't have enough methylfolate, you're not going to be able to make a lot of DNA. That's, that's a problem obviously in terms of uh, babies, because you've got a, you know, a, a baby, a fetus in the womb, they're dividing, cells are dividing rapidly. They're growing like crazy. They need a ton of DNA and where did they get it? Well, they got to make it from methylfolate. So if you're, if you're a woman and you can't take folic acid and convert it to methylfolate, you can see the problem, how that would cause a miscarriage. And it right. does. I mean, that's, That's the sad thing. And if you go to a genetic counselor about this, it'll literally cost you $5,000 just to look at this one gene. Or you can go to 23 and send it to me and I'll do it for you for, you know, like 20 bucks or whatever. I'll just give you a decent report. I kind of, what I generally do for people is I don't have a lot of time. So I, you know, I give, I do really thorough analysis for real high performers, but I do want to help everybody. I'm not really in it to make money. I make plenty of money in other ways and running my companies and Mayo Clinic pays me and all this, but, uh, you know, I want to help people with the supplements and that's pretty easy. Right. And so I can do th- I can do these really quick reports for people for like fifty bucks, you know. If you have twenty three and Me data, it's not that complicated. The, what gets complicated is sitting down like you and I are doing and talking for an hour or two. Right, and that's right. obviously kind of like the next level up in consulting. But, um, but yeah, all
1: right. Um, and, and we'll have a link for your site on the show notes for people if they want to, you know, talk to you about the, uh, you know, that supplement protocol.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. Thanks. Um so the, the only other one that was on the detox page that you wrote in the write-up for me was this GSTT1 it says present oh. good. Yeah. Uh 15% of the population is missing this gene. Like yep, in like correct. not even a variant but just missing it.
0: Uh, correct, yeah. How does that happen? I don't know. Well, so somebody way back in our ancestry, you know, just essentially when, as their body was replicating as, as a fetus, as the body was replicating the gene, Mm -hmm. uh, it just somehow had an error. Maybe there was some UV damage, maybe radioactive radioactivity, you know, there's a DNA break and the body just skipped over. Um, yeah, it's crazy. And, and it's, it's, it's involved in glutathione making glutathione, which is literally your body's, you know, detox uh protein you know it's your body it's your body's main antioxidant for you know heavy metals and all kinds of things whenever you need antioxidants glutathione is a lot more important than you know anything you get from your diet but the crazy thing about that one uh, is is because you did your you had your 23andme done i don't know a year ago you said
1: something like Like that at least
0: least. Yeah, twenty-three and Me no longer even looks at that. They don't even tell you the information on the GSTT1 gene.
1: Oh wow! So that's one of the ones you did
0: yours a while ago. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the
1: ones they cut. Okay,
0: cut that one. In fact, let me give you before we move on. Let me just tell you some of the other ones that they cut. Yeah, Yeah. and this will this and there's only I listed about four of them. Like I said, there's literally fifty percent of them they cut out of fifty-eight. So there's over twenty of them that they cut. Wow. And I consider them all important. But uh, but this first one, that I listed a couple just as examples to show you what data we're missing now. I'm missing. I'm not even able to tell you about because they removed it. They don't even give me the information. Um, and the first one on that is called ACAT. That's A-C-A-T-1. It's in, it, what, it, what that stands for is acetyl-CoA acetyltransferase. So, again, you can see why I call it ACAT mm-hmm. and scientists call it ACAT. And what that one is involved in. It's involved in breaking down uh, proteins and especially fats from your diet. So, most notably, that that gene plays a role, a major role, in ketone breakdown and how your body responds to ketosis. Ketosis, mm-hmm. the keto diet. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I can't even tell you what your status is on that because Twenty Three and Me no longer they no longer do that gene. They no longer sequence that aspect of your gene. Oh, so it's unfortunate. unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah, because uh I used to be able to tell people about that one. It's on my website, but you know, I'm I'm especially curious now that you said something about ketosis in, in your specific case, but I can't, you know, again, they pulled that one. The, another one that they've removed that they used to tell me about, but they don't, is called AHCY. Um that's the abbreviation. It's adenal uh ad, adeno, homocystinase. Um it's just another enzyme again. You know, I'm not a super expert in it, but um it's involved in a process of breaking down methionine um uh into adenosine and adenosine is really important so it mm-hmm. you know when people have that gene issue, I tell them to supplement adenosine, okay, but again, I can't mm-hmm. tell them about it because twenty three me no longer even you know informs you on that gene they don't sequence that one wow, so <laughs> You can see, you know, there's kind of this pattern here with these. There, there's a lot of important ones. Um, I'll give you one more, you know, I don't want to spend a ton of time. But another one that they no longer tell you about is CYP2D6. Again, that's another cytochrome P450. It's in the liver, it's a liver detox gene. And that one is involved. You know how you had that gene issue with 25% of commonly prescribed drugs? Right. This enzyme is 25% of other commonly prescribed drugs. It's another 25%, you know, there's certain liver enzymes that break down a lot of these artificial drugs. Mm -hmm. And this is one of them. And 23andMe no longer even tells you about your status on that. Um, and I mean, these are again, real important things to know if you're getting prescribed a drug and they're staying in your body a lot longer because you're going to have more side effects.
1: Yeah, is there anything that that the public can do to sort of try to urge Twenty Three and Me to give that data again?
0: I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's <laughs> not like
1: they don't have the capability to do it. They used yep, to. Yep.
0: yep. Uh, yeah, I think I think they're using it as a little bit of leverage because they want they want to uh, cut people off like me. Mm-hmm. You know, when I called them, I was complaining about it, and they said, "Well, technically, your you can just only inform people for entertainment purposes." You know, that's how they like to describe it. That's kind of the legal way of saying, you know, you don't really have, you don't provide any value, but I know better than that. And, and, but, you know,
1: there's, there's a lot of red tape around, you know, what can be said, can't be said claims. Uh, Right. No, I I understand that. And And that's,
0: that's really what it comes down to. It's more about that. So, you know, if people hashtag, Dr. J, this episode, re- retweet it and put tw- add 23andMe on there. That's probably the best you can do. And that helps. Yeah. You know, it goes a long ways to complain.
1: <laughs> Hashtag give us our data. Right? <laughs> yeah,
0: something. Uh, Good idea. Let's you, do it.
1: You can't patent my DNA. Um, yeah. yeah. So is 23andMe the only place people can go to get this information? I know Ancestry.com has a report. Do they give uh, the same raw data
0: they sometimes do. Yeah. Um, I don't work with them as much, so I don't keep up. These companies are constantly shifting what they do and what they don't do and how restrictive 23 is a perfect, 23 and me is a perfect example. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I generally do use 23 and me. I start with them, even with pro athletes. I kind of start with, start there because, you know, they 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 provide a lot of value for a hundred bucks. I mean, it's it's a really incredible amount of value. Right. It's frustrating that they removed a lot of the like fifty percent of the value, but it's still a lot of value even with that. So I start there, and then I like I say, I go to a full genome sequence or something like that.
1: Okay,
0: right. but for the layperson, I mean, this is it's it's valuable, right? Right, and that's all on detox. I mean, that's that's okay. your detox.
1: Well, let's move to risk and we'll get through a little bit of this and we'll touch on the athletic stuff, uh, before we run out of time. Um,
0: yeah, well, let's, let's end on risk because athletic, I used to have a lot more on athletic again, but essentially we know that you're a, I kind of, I kind of included that in this risk portion because we know that you're a fast twitch muscle fiber type. Right. And that's about all 23 and me is allowing me to say now. So even though it was about a year ago, they removed that a long time they removed that about a year and a half ago or so, or whatever, they removed wow. it before, before you even had yours. So okay. yeah, unfortunately I can't tell you as much about your athletic profile. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I wasn't going to mention this, but we talked a little bit about, the, about it before the show because it's, it's confidential, but essentially, uh, within your, your, within your family, within your DNA, you have a. 18 and a half fold increased risk for type one diabetes. That one's by far the highest of any of your health risks. Uh, and that doesn't mean of course that you automatically get type one diabetes. It doesn't, it just means you have a higher risk for it. And you can mitigate that risk obviously by, you know, being cautious with sugar. Obviously type one is more genetic than type two, but I mean, it is what it is. That's just the information that I have.
1: Yeah. And I've said this many times. I'm not sure how many of those were on the podcast or not. I'm the only male in my family who's not diabetic, at least on my dad's side. Um, My dad has three brothers. Uh, His youngest brother was type one uh, from a very, very early age. My dad and his older brother are type two. Um, and, and that sort of family history was one of the things that got me interested in nutrition uh, when I was in college and, and ultimately kind of set me on the path that I've been on. So um, yeah. you know, I have yeah. no problem telling people you know, <laughs> diabetes runs in my family. But, you know, to see this number, you know, that's that's pretty crazy. Eighteen and a half fold. That's pretty high. That's, yeah, that's, that's not that's not 18 and a half percent. That's 18 and a half. That's fold. Yeah.
0: yeah Yeah. And I mean. Like I say, I listed a bunch here for you to look at later, but, um, the other one, the other one that's interesting that I'll probably bring up is that you have a two and a half or 2.7 fold increased risk of age related macular degeneration. Mm -hmm. Um, and the reason I bring that one up specifically is because, uh, you know, you want to be more vigilant in your case to supplement vitamin C, vitamin E, you know, lutein, uh, zeaxanthin, uh, Zinc, copper, so things that are essentially involved in you know eye health, opt- opt- optical health, you know, and function. And it, it, one of the interesting things about lutein, I'm sure you've heard of it, but uh, not a lot of people supplement it. Not a lot of people need to supplement it, but I think if you've got this risk for macular degeneration, you probably should supplement it. Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting about it is plants don't make it; uh, animals do. So if you're a vegetarian. You know, I mean, you can get it, your body can make it, but it's better to get it from animal products, from eating meat. Hmm. And that's true in a lot of cases. It's interesting. You know, I don't, have, I don't have any moral problems with vegetarians. And I love, you know, I love vegetarians. A lot of them are really healthy because they're intentional about it. They're really being careful with their diet. Right. But they, they do have... It's not a natural diet, in my opinion, because, you know, the human body is, you know, I should probably write a book about this. I have a lot of thoughts on this, but essentially the human body is not particularly efficient at making our own uh, cholesterol, making our own vitamin D, you know, or vitamin C. Like for example, mice and rats, most mammals make their own vitamin C. They don't even need to supplement it. They make it in their bodies. Whereas humans, we don't make it. We have to eat it. And lutein is a similar thing where, yeah, we can make it, but we don't make it very well. Uh, so it's better just to eat it. And, and the, the, again, animal products, that's where you're going to find it. It's kind of like the K2, you know, or the B vitamins. There's a lot of examples like this. Right. And it's, it's a compelling argument to, to say that humans are naturally adapted to eating animal products, meats, you know, and obviously with our industrial meats nowadays, there's a risk there, but Anyways, that's a little tangent for you. <laughs> yeah. um,
1: well, You know so what's th- interesting about Lutein is I recently, maybe in the last week, I've seen an advertisement for uh, a product now called Lutein Blue. And it's specifically being advertised and marketed to mitigate eye damage from blue light.
0: Oh, interesting. Right. I don't know anything. I I know blue light can be an issue with sleep, but I don't know anything about lutein. That's, that's sounds like something worth checking into. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I haven't had a chance to to follow up on that, but you know, just the fact that there are now supplement companies looking into supplements to mitigate blue light, you know, and and it was funny. It was like at the end of the ad, it was like, uh, you know, or you could just stop looking at your cell phone and actually have a real conversation. Yeah,
0: Yeah, exactly. That's what I would have said. (laughs) Um, Shoot, so let's move. On. Let's go down to some of the other ones in the uh, in the section called additional notable genetic variations. Yep, because Great. some of that's useful and some of it's entertaining, and I think for the audience they're going to want a, a little bit more of the entertainment value.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Um. So for you, I don't know. I'm going to jump around a little bit, and if you, because I know you're following this on 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 your side. Yep. But uh, you're likely to lose two and a half fold more weight on a low fat diet which is interesting. So, you know, some people actually eating a high fat diet works really well for them genetically. In your case, it doesn't. I don't know if you have any experience on that. Uh, That's just what the DNA suggests to me. Um, So low fat probably works better for you.
1: Yeah. You know, when I was um, in the bodybuilding and modeling portion of my life, uh, I got really, really lean following, yep. uh, low fat diets. Now I felt awful and, yep, yep. you know, my yep. quality of life was not, you know, where I would have liked it to have been. So, um, you know, that doesn't mean that that makes a low fat diet better. Uh, but as far as losing fat, uh, I have experienced that. Yes.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that's pretty specific to you, <clears throat> right? So I'm not making a broad claim to everybody who's listening, but it's, it's worth knowing that that stuff can be personalized. Um, another one that's interesting is you you personally have a better avoidance of errors um just based on your dna uh, but you have a slightly higher risk of ocd obsessive compulsive Um, it doesn't mean you have ocd it just means you're a higher higher risk for it you have more of a tendency and the specific gene for that is called anchorin repeat and kinase domain containing one um just just for people, you know, they think that I'm just making this up. Um, but that's, that's the gene that's involved in that process.
1: Yeah. So um, a friend of mine and I have a saying that uh, we, we are very particular about our routines. And, um, you know, everything has a place as I go about my day. I know where things are, uh, where they're supposed to be. And if they've been moved, uh, we make this joke. We tell uh, that we're both married. We tell our wives that, you know, if you're going to move something, you might as well throw it away because uh, if it's yeah. not where it's supposed to be, so yeah. I'm not calling myself. He's, probably, o- got the, he's I'm not, probably got
0: the same DNA thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm OCD, but you know, don't move my shit or I won't be able to. <laughs> yeah.
0: And it's, again, it's amazing that some of this stuff can be genetic. Um, when you think it's just purely something you grew up with, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty crazy. And then let's, let's touch on, uh, apo e3 and apo e4 yeah. just because i know that, that there's a lot of talk about that with uh, dementia and alzheimers
0: yeah so apo <clears throat> so i used to do alzheimers research i did it for 2 years i developed viruses actually for the us government uh, regarding alzheimers yeah i used to consider actually that's how i can started this consulting company is uh, i was a virus designer and what that means essentially i just created dna and you put it inside cells and then the cells make the virus for you. And then I would purify the virus out and give that, you know, and sell that to labs. Um, and the reason I was doing that, it sounds kind of like bioterrorism, but it wasn't
1: (laughs) (laughs) like, what did they do with these viruses?
0: (laughs) Well, the reason I was doing it, I was doing it specifically to, to mitigate Alzheimer's or try and cure Alzheimer's. Uh, and so we had different animal models and the hope and the intention was possibly to even inject viruses into humans, but obviously we weren't there, but we were just doing it in animals. And uh, essentially viruses can be used to shut genes down or turn genes on. And so I was creating viruses that could manipulate genes. And ApoE is a good example of one of those genes, because if you've got two copies of ApoE4, so in other words, you've got ApoE. So there's, so let me back up. So ApoE is involved in cholesterol transport, mm-hmm. and people should know. I mean, cholesterol is really healthy. Your body makes, you know, it makes it from fat if you uh, if you're not eating it. Now, again, just like the lutein and other things, your body prefers to just eat cholesterol. It's, it preferentially takes it up, and you wants to just use it from your diet. But if you're not if you're starving yourself of cholesterol, your body can make it. Uh, it takes 20 different enzymes it's a huge complicated process but uh it makes it and the reason that's so important is about one third of your brain by mass is made of cholesterol huge amount of your brain is cholesterol so uh ApoE is involved in shuttling cholesterol around in your brain especially and uh Anyways, again, like I don't want to get too complicated. It's a long story. I don't want to take up too much time either. But essentially there's different versions of ApoE. There's ApoE1, 2, 3, and 4. And if you've most people have ApoE3, uh, and that's pretty neutral to your health. It doesn't improve your health, it doesn't make it worse. But if you've got copies of APOE2, these these are slightly different versions of this protein, um, you're at a really high risk of heart attacks for some reason. I think it's because when you have inflammation, you get, you know injuries in your arteries and then APOE puts more cholesterol into your arteries than it should be APOE 2 but the APOE 4 is just really associated with Alzheimer's risk Um, it's kind of considered the Alzheimer's gene so when you have you have APOE 3 slash APOE 4 so you got a 3 from your mom or dad and a 4 from your mom so you got one from your mom and one from your dad 3 and 4 and that gives you a twofold increased risk for Alzheimer's And that's good to know because you can do a lot to mitigate that, especially in terms of sugar, which you already are really keyed in on. You don't want to be just constantly eating sugar all the time, drinking sugar, juices, you know, fruits, um, obviously processed sugars, because there's no question that diabetes and just having insulin problems, you know, sugar, just eating sugar all the time are connected to uh, Alzheimer's. And so is inflammation. So is, you know, brain inactivity. If you're just vegging out all the time, watching TV, which obviously you're not, but you know, there's a higher risk for Alzheimer's. So there's certain things that you can kind of watch out for to mitigate that risk for Alzheimer's. And so it's good to know it's a little bit scary, but it's, it's not automatically meaning that you're going to get Alzheimer's. It just increases your risk twofold. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you had any questions on that, but.
1: Well, I guess, I mean, it, I don't want to say it doesn't surprise me, but I mean, grandmothers on both sides have had Alzheimer's and dementia. So yep, in my yep. history, um, and I guess my questions would be around, you know, what can someone do if they have this genetic variation? And I think you've already said, uh, um, sugars, the big one, yeah. sugars, the big one. And, you know, sort of lifestyle, staying active, continue learning throughout your life. Um,
0: yep. and in fact, if you really want to go extreme, like say, for example, you had APOE4, slash APOE4 you had two copies of four right that's a really high risk for Alzheimer's and in that case I would recommend you know a lot of ketosis a lot of keto dieting Mm -hmm. really being careful about sugar uh eating supplementing a lot of good DHA like krill oil Mm -hmm. um being real careful about inflammation I mean essentially just you know taking your health a lot more seriously than normal because uh you know that one a lot of people get alzheimer's at age 60 you know when they have two copies of that gene so you know in your case you don't have that risk as much but it's probably worth checking your wife's dna or your you know that kind of thing to see if she's a carrier because i would consider it kind of a carrier status mm-hmm. um, even though it does increase risk too
1: okay um so yeah. let's let's talk about a couple of these other ones just for entertainment value. Then, um, yeah.
0: Why don't you Why don't you pick them out? And
1: all right. Well, I'm just I'm scanning <laughs> through this. I, I love the fact that it says I'm empathetic and likely to handle stress well. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, that's good. A lot of people don't. That's in, that's because of your oxytocin receptor.
1: <laughs> and that's not me saying it. That's my genes.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's amazing how many people have the opposite of that. They lack empathy. Okay because of a mutation in their oxytocin receptor and uh but yeah you got the opposite you got the good one <laughs>
1: that's that's really cool uh liking to have exceptional longevity uh that's pretty cool and
0: likely i spelled that wrong likely okay sorry yeah um, exactly so yeah that's the cat so that's uh
1: that's, that's so that's interesting talk about that lineage what, i don't even know how to pronounce that
0: ashkenazi jews have, uh okay. generally have this gene in their cholesterol estrotransferase protein. It's called CAT P. Okay. Um, and the FOXO3 gene. So it's kind of involved in sugar metabolism and things. But hmm. you know, it's not it's not racist, it's just that way that lineage of people have their genetic makeup. Right. Um, just to preempt that, <laughs> that whole Twitter storm. But but I mean you somehow you've got that same exact gene uh, fingerprint in this case and cholesterol ester transferase. Again, I mentioned this before, so I, I'm actually kind of glad it's circling back to this, but mice ironically don't have cholesterol. A lot of animals don't have cholesterol ester transferase protein. Okay. Um, and what that means is uh, they can't transfer HDL and LDL cholesterol as well. They can't they can't transfer cholesterol between HDL and LDL. That's what the CETP gene does. Cholesterol esterase transfer. Um, so essentially, you have a, a version of that that you know makes you healthier. It kind of it, it allows your body not to utilize. It, it changes your utilization of cholesterol. Right. Trying to make it simple, not get right. down too much of a rabbit hole. Right. But the whole point is it just increases your longevity and that's well known from the specific lineage of people.
1: Huh. That's really cool. I, I don't know yeah. of any uh Jewish lineage. So maybe yeah. Yeah, maybe have to look but into it, that.
0: And it's not specifically necessarily Jewish specifically, but it probably right. is way back in the day, yeah. But um In in particular, this Ashkenazi Jew lineage, basically they all have this gene variant. Yeah.
1: Well, that's a rabbit hole for me to go down on a uh, random weekend.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So a mix of muscle types uh, that, that supports my subjective experience. Fast Twitch Sprinter, um, is, is the predominant one. Yep. Um, let's see. see, increased memory performance, um,
0: yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. And like I listed the gene there for you. It's, it's called kidney and brain express protein. Mm-hmm. Um, 25% better memory performance, you know, approximately in general with that gene. So that's a great thing for you.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess if somebody had, I, I guess maybe I have like minus minus on these on your, your like scoring system, so if somebody yeah, it depends
0: class, on the gene, but yeah, yep.
1: So if somebody had plus plus and they had like this could explain potentially memory reasons from a oh, yeah. from a genetic standpoint.
0: Yep, yep. Sometimes it's, there's variations between short term and long term memories. Sometimes there's variations between stress and memories. You know how like right. some people have a better memory when they're under stress, and some people it's the opposite. Right. So yeah, there's a lot of variation, but. Yeah.
1: That's really interesting.
0: Yeah, normal hangovers.
1: (laughs) Um, I'd beg to differ on that. (laughs) Coming from a guy who retired from drinking because the hangovers were too bad. Actually, it wasn't the hangovers, but it was just... Yeah, yeah, I mean, I have to edit that.
0: Hangovers are never healthy, but... (laughs) anyway, so yeah, that's about it. I mean, I know we're going over time a little bit already, but yeah, I figure well, if there's ever it, a time, this is so fun and entertaining.
1: Yeah, it is. And, and I want I want people to have, you know, as much understanding as possible about, you know, how much, um, more there is to find out, um, you know, from this yeah. information, it, it's, it's you and someone can tell you more about, you know, what your DNA and, and genetics, uh, you know, have in store for you. Um, Dr. J, where can people get more of you?
0: I would just uh, recommend people either find me on Twitter. I just started an Instagram not too long ago. Um, So you can watch me, my deer hunting (laughs) adventures or whatever. And uh, I mean, AJ Consulting Company is really my main website. Okay. So that's just I abbreviate that with ajcco.com to make it easier to type sometimes but or you can just say ajconsultingcompany.com
1: yeah Okay we'll put a link to that on the show notes for you guys listening um, also on the show notes we'll we'll I'll post uh, maybe some screenshots of some of my information for you guys if you want to see you know what some of these reports look like I'll maybe have to find a way to blur out some confidential stuff but um sure we can get that done uh, we'll have links to resources, studies, anything like that for you guys to go down as well. Um, go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. Let us know how much you like the show. Uh, when we read your review on the air, we will hook you up with a care package as a thank you. And finally, share the OPP. Um, you know, you've know, you got friends and family, people in your life that you know will benefit from uh, the things that we're doing here. That's how we spread the message and get this uh, information to more people. So you know, share it on Twitter, email it to someone, you know, put it on Facebook, whatever. Um, Dr. J closing question. You have answered previously your top three tips to live optimal. So I'm going to give you a slightly different version of it. Um, give us your top three books that hmm. you think every listener should read. Wow. <laughs> Actually, you know, what? Yeah. Let, let me, let me, we'll just, we'll change it just slightly.
0: Oh, man, cool. I like that question. <laughs>
1: all right, all right. well, I was, well, the only change I was going to say is like, what are you reading now? Best book ah. you've read in the last year and then favorite book of all time. Nice. Boy,
0: I, I usually read a lot of books at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, I just finished Headstrong. I just finished The, te- the Telomere Effect. Um, I'm s- just finishing uh, The Plant Paradox, which actually I really enjoy.
1: Is that, um, is that Michael Pollan
0: or that's Gundry. Gundry? Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so, and I honestly, I, I, I really liked that book. I really enjoyed it. Um, I recommended it to a lot of people. So I'll add that one to the list plant paradox. I'd say people should read that. Yeah. Um, it gives a lot of insight in a lot, you know, people that have these dietary issues that they're really struggling with and gluten just isn't cutting it. Um, check that book out. And then uh, another one I'll add to the top three. So that's just, that's one I'll leave mine off the list, even though I'm, I'm tempted to just put mine on there. But I, I, we'll, I just,
1: we'll make sure we put a link to that. So, uh, well,
0: if- I just had somebody on Instagram say something real nice about my book said basically they couldn't put it down. They're just learning a ton of information. It was a medical doctor. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah. He said, uh, my book for the week. And then he had a picture of my book. He said, great information from at Anthony GJ on the effects of modern society's environmental influence on our body, genetic expression, and hormone regulation. I'm about halfway through. I'm having a hard time putting it down. That's kind of the best compliment for that that's, book.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. And, uh, and that's why we had you on the show previously. So what did I Sorry. say earlier is that episode 97, go back and listen to that one folks.
0: Yeah, you should. And, and the, so the other books, the plant paradox, um, I really enjoyed, uh, Gosh, I have so many Mercola's book fat for fuel is really good. I really liked it. I like Mercola in general, Dr. Joseph Mercola. And then it's funny because Mercola he says he reads about 250 books a year and I believe him. I mean, the guy's prolific. Mm-hmm. And he said his favorite book in this past year was, uh, was called tripping over the truth. And that's by I think Travis Christopherson.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I don't want to get him mixed up with the country music singer, Chris Christopherson, but um, definitely. Chris Christopherson has done a lot of stuff in his life, but he didn't write that book. <laughs> he didn't write a book about cancer, but I, that yeah. book really opened my eyes. Yeah. And I did a YouTube video on it because I was so impressed. So like Mercola, I want to throw that one in the list too.
1: Yeah. And that's, uh, I'm looking for it because it's usually within reach of my desk, but it's not right now. That's a great book. And um, uh, I I would highly recommend that one to folks. One of the scientists featured in that book uh, was Dr. Thomas Seafried, who we've had on the show uh Come talking on. about the metabolism of cancer and a lot of that stuff. So uh I forget off the top of my head what number that episode was, but if you guys didn't catch it, go back and check that episode out. So uh and if for some reason Travis hears this, we'd love to have Travis on the show. So we'll just put that out there. Uh right. well Dr. J, this has been awesome. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for all the information. And um for you guys listening, thanks for being here once again. We'll catch you guys next week. Thanks, Ryan.